Welcome, welcome, Mr. Manger here, the Jip Show, the show that is all yours, but about you being gypped. So, great to have your ears for the moment. And of course, as you heard, there was um, just my own little enactment of a recent story here. This happened in the state of Idaho. The uh, headline we got here is Supreme Court asked if police dogs pause violated constitution during traffic stop. <laughs> so, uh, bad doggy, bad, bad boy, huh? And this comes from usatoday.com. So, you know, it is legit. Totally, totally legit. Nothing but legit. All the time, all legit, all the time. Alright, so... From the article, we got... If I could pull up this stupid article... I had my notes, but it turns out, whatever. Uh, a little out of order here. Because I'm winging it. Winging it badly. But maybe I am chipping you in addition to the powers that be. Okay. Yeah, by John Fritz. Fritz, eh? How do you say your name, John? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it published just this month, uh, just a couple days ago, September 5th this year. Uh, of course, at 5.34 a.m. Interesting detail. The problem for Nero the police dog began when he put his paws on the door of a car that had been pulled over after the driver swerved across three lanes. By all accounts, the Belgian Malinois, Malinois? The Belgian Malinois did his job sniffing out a pill bottle and a plastic bag that contained meth residue. Evidence that ultimately allowed police in Idaho to get a warrant and charge the driver, Kirby Dorf, with felony drug possession. But the pause Nero placed on the driver's side door as he jumped up to get a better sniff have opened a constitutional question that has now reached the Supreme Court. Whether the dog's mere touching of the car violated the Fourth Amendment's prohibition on unreasonable searches. Idaho's top court concluded in March that Nero's exuberance amounted to a warrantless search, so it tossed Dorf's conviction. Now, before I get into my own nitpicking, uh, the article does 
point out that um, in 2013, the Miami-Dade police violated the Fourth Amendment uh, when they used a dog past the home of a man who is suspected of growing marijuana. And also that same year, a majority on the court there found that that a Florida police officer's drug-sniffing dog uh, who was searching a truck during a routine traffic stop was okay. So it seems uh, pretty inconsistent. And now, as the article also points out, there's obviously been some turnover on the Supreme Court. Four justices since those cases have left the court, uh, which included Scalia. Of course, for my own purposes here, for our purposes... We're going to nitpick about this this whole idea of putting this issue on the Supreme Court, because why are the Supremes deciding something that happened within the state of Idaho? And the basis for that is known as the Incorporation Doctrine. Now, I've written about this Incorporation Doctrine. I have an article on my substack that I'm referring to now entitled, the incorporation doctrine is a legal fiction. Well, there I did. I just gave away the game where I stand on this. My subheading, a century-old sin that maximized federal power. I released this on June 23rd, 2022. So that would have been one of my first entries on Substack. Let's go ahead and get around to the point. What is the incorporation doctrine? Well, the incorporation doctrine is the process of the federal courts applying various provisions of the federal Bill of Rights against the states. It's commonly believed that this practice has a sound constitutional basis and protects American liberty. I dispute both claims. Its adherents point to the text of Section 1 of the 14th Amendment, as a validation. So it says in there, no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. So on the surface, this might sound viable enough. But, upon further historical examination, we find that its plain meaning in proper historical context holds no justification for its modern application. By contrast, this has been a cornerstone of outcome-based jurisprudence at the expense of constitutionally limited government. The original intent of the 14th Amendment sought to constitutionalize the Civil Rights Act of 1866, and overturn the outrageous Dred Scott decision. Without the Tenth Amendment, which Thomas Jefferson considered to be the cornerstone of the Constitution, it's clear you can't hope to limit the federal government. It's also clear that the Fourteenth Amendment was not written to nullify its protections. Now, when John Bingham, who was one of the authors of the Fourteenth Amendment, he said, the care of the property, liberty, and life of the citizen under the solemn sanction of an oath imposed by your federal constitution is in the states, not in the federal government. 
I have sought to effect no change in that respect in the Constitution of the country. And so, the Bill of Rights was understood to mean one thing. The federal government was guaranteed not to intervene outside of its expressly delegated authority. Many grievances held against the Crown in the Declaration found its way into the first ten amendments, persuading the states to ratify under this premise. As the 14th Amendment was adopted in 1868, Congressman James G. Blaine spent much of the following decade hoping to pass what became known as the Blaine Amendment, which would extend the First Amendment's restrictions to the states. Obviously, it failed and would not have been necessary if incorporation had been recognized at the time. In fact, the incorporation doctrine was not conceived until 1925, 72 years later. Thus, while the 14th Amendment was ratified in the Reconstruction Era, it was, as Jefferson would have put it, twisted and shaped into any form it they pleased in the Progressive Era. This is the tragic result of trusting the Supreme Court to define its own powers instead of merely interpreting laws in their proper historical context. All right, with all that belly aching there out of the way, let's refer to the Idaho State Constitution, as though I managed to make a compelling case there. So in Article 1, Section 17, you find language practically identical to its counterpart in the federal constitution. Article 1, Section 17, unreasonable searches and seizures prohibited. It says, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrant shall issue without probable cause shown by affidavit, particularly describing the place to be searched and the person or thing to be seized. So yeah, going back to the Nero the Woof Woof Dog. Did Nero the Woof Woof Dog violate the Constitution. Well, which Constitution? And who gets to interpret? The law. It seems by those words, in my estimation, perhaps that's an overstep. What are your paws doing before you have a warrant? So, Kirby, Dorf, um, be careful in the future, because if you show your hand a little too much, they won't need Nero the dog. He might have been a bad dog, but you got... We'll, we'll give you a pass this time. So there's an interesting story going around about China. China. From Tom'sHardware.com. It doesn't really sound like a news site, but there it is. By Anton Shalav. Just published yesterday. China's SMIC allegedly violated U.S. sanctions, selling chips to... Huawei, I believe that's how you pronounce it, SMIC should not have supplied Huawei Curran 9000's processor, says U.S. lawmaker. Now, I assume the lawmaker is perhaps better at his pronunciations than I am. But nevertheless, let's read on. Although SMIC has clearly made a technological breakthrough by completing development of its second generation 
7NM Class N Plus 2 Fabrication Technology, whatever that is, and initiating high-volume manufacturing in this node, it should have obtained an export license from the U.S. government before supplying Kirin 9000's system-on-chip to be blacklisted Huawei since the node uses American tech. Now a U.S. senator calls to ban all exports to both companies. In a report by Bloomberg, Michael McCall, Republican chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, states that it looks like SMIC has violated sanctions with a view to obtaining intellectual property. SMIC's development of its second-generation 7NM fabrication process has raised concerns about the enforcement of U.S. IP and technology export restrictions. Adding to the chorus of concerns, Representative Mike Gallagher, chairman of the House Select Committee on Competition with China, emphasized the need for stricter enforcement of U.S. tech exports. He advocated for a complete cessation of U.S. technology exports to both Huawei and SMIC, which would further intensify tensions and complexities in the U.S.-China tech trade landscape. To get to why I even covered this, and you probably didn't pick up on all that, uh, there's a very humorous tweet, I believe, that seems to summarize it, and this is by Mario Cavallo. He says, Let's see if I've got this straight. A Chinese domestic chip company in a country called China sells its products to another Chinese company in a country called China. That's Huawei, who then sells the product, a mobile device, to Chinese citizen customers who are living inside the country of China. And this violates sanctions and laws of another country called the United States. Well, of course. So Mario Cavallo, by the way, is not only on Twitter, but he's also a Substack writer. So, I mean, what is it about the U.S. tech? What is the tie to U.S. tech? What is the tie to IP? How's that relevant here? What is the licensing issue that's going on? I have no idea, but what's a lot easier to answer is Cavallo's explanation here. A Chinese domestic company called China sells its products to another company in a country called China. Huawei, which then sells a product, a mobile device, to Chinese citizen customers. So everything about this is chained to China. China, 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 China. China, China. So what's going on here? We just trying to we just trying to provoke China? We just trying to uh push back because oh we, we feel it's just so unfair, you know? So with that, I wonder if I had anything meaningful to say. Um, it was time to get her in front of the mic. It was uh, kind of a slow week in news. I'm sure you were gypped, but it didn't make the news. <laughs> but finally, uh, after browsing the rear end of the internet, and finally, 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 it seemed like there were a couple things worth talking about. All right, and until the next time we get gypped, this is Mr. Manger signing off. All right, well, I think that's all the gypping you need today. I'd like to thank you for listening. 
and I wish you well until the next time we get gypped.